All right. Today we are here with Bob Berg. And Bob Berg is a sought-after speaker and company leader, as well as the author of the Go-Giver series, with the first book being The Go-Giver and the most recent being The Go-Giver Influencer. So I will let us just hop right into conversation and start talking. Thanks for being here, Bob. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah. And it's funny, the the first time I encountered your book, The Go-Giver, it was actually my business partner that shared it with me. And so we both read it as we were creating the business that we have. And really, you know, the message hit home with us and we tried really hard to put that message into the business and the development of it so much to the point that it's been our most gifted book. And to most of our clients, we'll send it out to them just because, you know, it really, it shares the values that we have as a company, as well as just the values of business as a whole. Oh, thank you. That's, uh, that's quite an honor. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I think the first place that we can start is just talking about kind of the five laws that you touch on in the go-giver and really the, the principles that you hit on. Sure. And they're all based around a, a very basic premise. And that is that shifting your, your focus, and this is really the key, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, Chris, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a, a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's actually the most financially profitable way as well. Um, not for some way out woo-woo kind of magical, mystical reasons, but uh, it really makes very um, rational sense, very logical sense when you think about it. When you're that person, uh, and this is whether you're, you know, right now a pharmacist working uh, at a pharmacy or at a hospital, so you're you're employed within another organization, or you've just started your own business. Okay, when you can pl- move that focus off of yourself and onto that other person, okay, um, looking to solve their problems, to help them work through their challenges, to add value to their lives, to bring them closer to happiness, so however it happens to be. When you're that person who does that, people feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to see you succeed. They want to do business with you. They want to be a part of your life. They probably want to refer you and introduce you to others. So, uh, so again, it's really understanding that while it comes from a, a heart base, I mean, it really, it is who you are. And because it's who you are, it's what you do. It also happens to be the best way of doing business. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that really hit home with me in the book itself was talking about providing value, but then also not demonizing, so to speak, making money and making money isn't a bad thing, but we're big believers in that. It's just understanding that it's the value that comes first. In fact, let's, let's sort of take it within the, the, the um, context of the five laws, because the first law is the law of value. And that says that your true worth in the business sense, your true worth is is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, when you first hear that, it's sort of, um, 
counterintuitive sounding. Give more in value than I take in payment. Well, that does sound like you're just giving yourself away and not making a profit. And, and that's not what we're talking about. Uh, it's very important to understand the difference between price and value. Uh, price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It simply is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, excuse me, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, this service, this concept, this idea, this solution, what have you, that is of so much worth to another human being, is of so much value to them, that they will willingly exchange their money for this and be glad that they did. So let me give you an example outside of pharmacy, outside of anything anyone uh, who's watching might do. So we'll take this from an outside. Let's say you hire an accountant to do your taxes. And this accountant charges you, and we'll just come up with a round figure, $1,000. That is her fee, literally her price, $1,000. But what value does she give you in exchange for this? Well, first, she saves you $5,000 in taxes. She saves you countless hours of time. She provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. The entire relationship. She makes you just feel great about yourself. Uh, she and her team respond to your calls right away. They, you know, you know that you're being well taken care of and they deliver both in terms of competence and in terms of character and in the entire experience. So, so right here, we just see that, that uh, while she charged you a thousand dollars, she gave you well over five that well over five thousand dollars in value. That was just the savings, but there's so much more even in value. So what she did is she gave you much more in value than what she took in payment. So you feel great about it. And she also made a very healthy profit because to her it was well worth her time to do this for a thousand dollars. Otherwise she wouldn't have done it. Okay. So what we see here is that that both parties in this exchange come away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. And that is what the law of value really does. But there's a key point to understand. And that is the reason this took place is because her focus was not on the fee. The focus was not on the money she was getting. The focus was on taking care of you. The focus was on the value she was providing you and your family. The focus was on making this a wonderful customer experience for you. The money she received was the result of such. This is why John David Mann, my awesome co-author of the, the Go-Giver and the rest of the series, it's why we say that money is simply an echo of value, right? Money is an echo of value. It's the thunder, if you will to values lightning, which means the value comes first. That's got to be the focus. The value to the other person comes first. The money you receive is simply a natural result of the value that you've provided. So again, picking up on what you said, no, it's not that money's a bad thing. Money's a great thing. It's first of all, it's what makes the business work because without profit, you've got a hobby. 
Okay. And well, hobbies are fine, but that's not what we're talking about here. So no, you have to be, and the more money you make, the more you can do with it in order to live a life of abundance, in order to feed your mind, in order to, to feed your family, in order to give the charity, in order to do whatever it is that's congruent with your values. But no, money, making money is a great thing, but the focus needs to be on the value you provide. Because remember, nobody is going to buy from you or do business with you because you have a quota to meet, or you have a mortgage payment to make, or you would simply like to see it happen. No, they're going to do business with you. They're going to buy from you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And for that to happen, you must place your focus on them. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that resonated with me is that not only is providing value the way that you should do business, but also it's the most sustainable way to do business because it's going to be the the only way to keep bringing clients back, get referrals and have that healthy, sustainable business. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you want to go on to law number two or, or, okay. So, so law number one was the law of value. Law number two is the law of compensation. And this one says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us the more people whose lives you touch with the exceptional value you provide, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. So your accountant in the first example did a great job of giving you more in value than she took in payment while making a very healthy profit. Uh, the chances are you uh, really like her and the job she did for you, you would probably use her again and you would probably tell others about her, right? Well, her other clients feel the same way about her and, uh, and she's quickly um, uh, amassing what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors. And if she continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, her income will continue to grow and grow. In the story, in the, in the uh, book, um, Nicole Martin, who was the CEO, explained to Joe, the protege, that law number one, the law of value, represents your potential income, right? But it's law number two, the number of lives you impact with that value that represents your actual income yeah and that's the way to make that resonate and make that thunder travel as far as possible <laughs> exactly. mm-hmm. that's true yeah exactly so law number three is the law of influence and this one says that your influence your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests First, now again, this this sounds kind of counterintuitive, right? And yet, you think about it. First, the greatest leaders, top influencers, the highest money earning salespeople that you know, this is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking out for the benefit of others. This is what they do. Um, but I also want to, to make a very important point. And that is when we say that, you know, place the other person's interests first, we don't mean that you should be anyone's doormat. Uh, we don't mean you should be a martyr and we don't mean you should uh, be self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply understanding what 
Joe, the protege in the story, learned from several of the mentors, and that is the golden rule of business, of sales, of networking, what have you, is simply this. All things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you in others than by genuinely moving from an I focus or me focus to that other focus, looking to, as as Sam, one of the mentors, told Joe, to make your win all about the other person's win. Yeah, and I think the that just comes down to solving people's problems and having solutions to what other people are struggling with. And so something in the marketing space that has kind of spawned is something that marketers will call the value vomit in that they try to give out like lead generation forms that, you know, teach you how to run Facebook ads or teach you how to use LinkedIn, but they do it in a way that nobody asks for that. They just kind of upfront give it to them. So they're not trying to, see what somebody's problem actually is and then solve that problem. They're just trying to make an assumption and it ends up not working out so well. Right. Yeah. Well, what happens when you do that? Cause you bring up such a great point and, and far too many salespeople. And, and as you said, now marketers do this and that is, you know, they, they kind of have one thing uh, and it's, you know, or one way of doing something I should say. And they're just, hoping, I guess, that enough people are looking for the exact thing that they're doing, right? And which, again, to a certain point can, can work, but it's really you kind of depending on luck. On the other hand, when you can discover what that, because look at what, what sales, by definition, selling is simply discovering what the other person wants, needs, or desires and helping them to get it. Now, since we are not our customer, there's only one way we can find out what they're looking for, and that is to ask questions and then listen. Now, we, we, that doesn't have to be done through a, a person, excuse me, person-to-person conversation. You can do it in other ways while you're connecting with someone online if that's what it is. I mean, there are, those are, there are different ways to do that. But the key is it, we, we can't assume we know what another person is looking for uh, unless we're willing to just say, hey, you know, this is what we have. I, uh, you know, I'm going to attract this person because this I know they want and I'm just going to play the number again that, to a certain point that can work and people do it. But boy, is that a tough way to, you know, to, to do so because you really haven't created a system that is going to, you know, develop these relationships and have enough people coming in and be able to, uh, to, you know, to, to typically make it, as you said, sustainably successful. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for that elaboration. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, <laughs> law number four is the law of authenticity. And the law of authenticity simply says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Uh, in the story, Deborah, one of the mentors, she shared a lesson she learned early in her sales career, and that is that all the skills in the world, the um, sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as those all are, and they are all very, very important. They're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true, authentic core. Now, when you do, when you, as we like to say, show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel comfortable with you. 
people feel safe with you. Why wouldn't they? They know who they're getting. And, and consistency is very important uh, as a human being. We, we, it's very hard to elicit trust if you're not consistent. Uh, we have a need for trust that dates back to the cave person days when every day was literally, not figuratively, but literally a matter of life and death. It was surviving the day. And in order to do that, you had to know what was what, and it had to be consistent. You had to know what those sounds in the wilderness meant. You had to know what the bent twigs meant. You had to know what those footprints in the mud meant. You had to know who in your tribe of 150 people would uh, had your back and who would club you, you know, in the back. I mean, but, and that got hardwired into our DNA. And that's why we like to think of ourselves. And, and Robert Cialdini talks about this in his, his classic uh, influence, uh, science and practice that we both want to believe that we are consistent. Okay. Which is why often we will act according to how we've acted before, because we want to believe we're congruent uh, and inconsistent, but we absolutely expect Others, if we're going to trust them, we expect for them to be the same person every single time. Okay. So, so being authentic, uh, is a, is a, a great way to, you know, obviously to show up. But the problem is that, you know, if you don't have the confidence in yourself to show up authentically, you're not going to show up that way. Uh, I think as human beings, we all have two types of, of value to that we, that we bring. One is just intrinsic value. That just is by the very nature of being here, being a human being, we bring value to the table and that's fine. But there's also another type of value that we have, and this is called market value. And I define market value as that combination of strengths, traits, talents, and characteristics um, that allow you to bring value to others, to individuals and the marketplace as a whole in such a way that you will be financially rewarded for it. Now, we all have these, uh, as I think it was Mike Littman who put it, assets of value, okay, these strengths that we have. The challenge is that as human beings, we're so emotionally close to ourselves, sometimes it's very difficult for us to really recognize those strengths, Right. Which is why it's so important to have a coach like yourself who can, you know, approach it dispassionately enough so that you care about your clients. But at the same time, you're far enough removed. You're not so emotionally involved that you can't, you know, see it either. And that's why it's so important, because, you know, we see the world from our own viewpoint. We see the world from our own set of beliefs. We see the world working a certain way. And we tend to think that the way we see and experience the world is the way everyone else sees and experiences the world, which just makes sense because it's all we know, right? But it's it's not true. So you may have a certain strength or talent or trait or characteristic that allows you to really bring immense value to others, but you don't see it as any big deal because you just, to me, that's just how it is. It's, everyone can do that. It's just how the world is, right? And what happens is because of that, that will keep you from charging the higher fees that you should charge because you're worth it, because you're not recognizing your value, giving in too much to negotiation and all those things that actually hurt, you know, can hurt your, your business. So it's very important that we, hold on, I'm going to sneeze. Excuse me. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, thank you. Uh, so it's very important that whether we figure it out ourselves or with a coach or mentor or someone we can to, to really know what those strengths are. 
you know, some of us have a magnificent strength that we can bear. Most of us don't, though. Most of us <laughs> have a few things. And Scott Adams talked about this. Scott is the uh, author of the uh, Dilbert comic strip, and he's a brilliant writer. And one of his books is uh, How I Failed It, something like How I Failed at Mostly Everything and Still Succeeded. I, and I, I got the title a little bit wrong, but it's a brilliant book. And he talks about what he calls um, a value stack. And he describes it as, you know, not being, you know, you're not a Michael Jordan in any one area, right? There, there are some Michael Jordans, but very few, you know, who are just so, you know, most of us aren't Steve Jobs. We don't have that kind of talent to be able to have that kind of insight into that, right? But most of us have a few things that we're pretty good at and that we can develop. All right. And when you take those, 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 various assets of value and you stack them on top of one another. Okay. You may not be the best at any of them, but you're good at all of them. And you can turn that into some really fantastic value for the market. Yeah. And then you might be the best at the combination of those, exactly. three things. which is what he did with Dilbert and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of other, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, you know, he said, he's not the best. He's a good artist, but certainly not the best. You know, he was a good humorist, but certainly not the best. He was a, you know, good writer, but not the best, but he could take all three of those really work on developing those. Yeah. And there's Dilbert, you know, and you got right. Yeah, yeah. That's an awesome example. Yeah. Then you've got the final one, the law five, because we've got the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity. Now we have number five, which is uh, receptivity. And the law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. So now we're taking it a little bit opposite, right? Now we're saying, okay, we've talked about the giving. And we've talked about adding immense value to the marketplace. Now we're also saying we need to be willing to receive. And what we said in the, you know, in the, in the story, Pindar, the main mentor and Joe were talking and Pindar asked him to breathe out and hold that breath that hold that after he's already breathed out. Now continue to hold it to the count of 30. Well, within a few seconds, Joe's gasping for air, struggling to breathe. Pindar says, what's the matter? Joe can't do it. Joe says, no, I can't just breathe out. I've got to breathe in. Well, Pindar said jokingly, he said, well, Joe, what if I was to tell you that it's been medically proven that it's actually healthier to breathe out than it is to breathe in? And Joe just laughed because that's silly. You, you can't do one or the other. You've got to do both. We breathe out and we breathe in. We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving, and we breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin. Despite the horrible messages of lack that we get from the world around us, and they are all around us, okay? Despite that, um, giving and receiving are not opposite, you know, they're not opposite concepts. You're not a giver or a receiver. You're a giver and a receiver. They're two sides of the very same coin. Now, what we know is what? You've got to give first. Right. Just like that accountant, we focus on the value we're providing others. That's how the world works. Uh, as Pendar told Joe early in the story, there are some people who go up to a fireplace and say, first, you give me some heat and fire. Then I'll throw on some logs and, you know, some newspaper and light a match. Well, it doesn't work that way. It'd be like going into a bank and saying to the bank manager, Hey, 
I'm thinking of opening up an account here, but first you pay me some interest, right? First you give me an interest payment, then life doesn't work that way. And successful people, uh, they deal with truths, (laughs) right? It doesn't mean they get held back by those truths. No, it means they work within those truths. They first embrace them, they understand them, and then they utilize them in such a way that they're able to advance the world both for themselves and for, for others. Um, but we need to definitely be able to receive that which we have earned or else, you know, what happens? Nothing. Yeah. No, thanks for giving the synopsis of those five laws. Oh. I think that's the basis of kind of the paradigm shift that I had when I first read The Go-Giver. I'm curious, what was... What was your inspiration for writing it? Was it kind of something that you just did naturally and these were principles that you followed and saw success with and wanted to share them? Or was it something that you viewed kind of from afar as the things that work? Yeah, I I learned them. And and John and his entrepreneurial journey, because he's also an entrepreneur, he he learned the same thing. And when we came together to write this thing, we kind of just said, what are the success principles that we know work because they've been proven? So, you know, we didn't invent anything new with this. You know, we, we may have put it into a story and named the laws certain ways and so forth, but there's nothing, nothing new certainly in this book. And John and I have both in our own, uh, entrepreneurial lives made studies of, you know, what worked and what didn't. And these five laws, however one might name them or, or see them are what in any market based society, uh, Uh, one has to do in order to be successful. Yeah. And it seems like the the successful entrepreneurs are able to figure that out, even if they're not putting names to it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, since the, the bazaars in uh, ancient Babylonia, you know, that, uh, uh, James Classen wrote about in, 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 in the richest man in Babylon, right? Yeah. That's what they were doing. That's how the merchants were selling and how people were doing business. And, you know, like you said, though, they, they may have intuitively done these things, but they didn't know that's what they were necessarily doing. And, you know, in, in, in human life, things come along and we start to put names to things and systemize and, and so forth. Yeah. But sure, this is what people who, naturally do that it's what they tap into you know but the good news is they can be learned right what advice would you give to the people that might be a little less entrepreneurial and might not want to go and start their own business but how they can incorporate the principles of the go giver into their day-to-day yeah and you know not everybody has to start a business not everybody has to be an entrepreneur what we want to do is first go with where our strengths are and what we enjoy okay uh, I mean, basically, when you think about it, what is life about? It's about reaching happiness, right? It's a, you know, I mean, it's about happiness when you think about it. And when I say happiness, I don't mean necessarily instantaneous pleasure or, or something like that. It doesn't mean eating five pizzas because it feels good. I'm talking about a genuine and ongoing feeling of peace of mind and, and so forth. Uh, enjoy the result of living congruently with one's values. Well, it's very hard if, if you just do not like entrepreneurship and, you know, and you go into being an entrepreneur, you know, you may make a lot of money, probably not because it's, it's very difficult to sustainably earn a, a lot of money when we really don't like what we're doing. It can be done, but it's, it, you won't be happy doing it. Okay. So no, I don't think everybody needs to be an entrepreneur, but we all need to be intrapreneurs. 
And that is if you're working with another company, you know, right now, many of you are, are pharmacists. Okay. And, you know, how do you bring value to another person? It means you get to, it means you make them feel good about themselves, the customer. You make them feel important because they are. You approach them with not only with excellence, but with kindness and empathy. Okay. That's value. Okay. That's value. Um, um, serving a lot of people, right? Uh, you know, but, uh, I have a, a great friend, uh, his name is Corey Janke, and he's been a pharmacist for year, many, many, many years. I call him the Zen pharmacist because wherever he's worked, he, he just draw, ends up drawing tons of people because he treats people so well. Uh, and he sees them as being wonderful people. And, 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 um, and so, you know, and the places that employ him, are willing to pay him more money because he brings in a lot of business. Okay. So it's, it's a, it's putting the place in the interest of the others first. Again, that doesn't mean you allow yourself to be taken advantage of or be walked over, but you're always, you've got the interest of your customers first. Uh, you're authentic. You show up as yourself. And of course you allow yourself to receive and that reset receiving might be money. It might be a raise. That's great, but it also might be the smiles of your customers because you've touched a life because that person came in and wasn't sure what to do. And she got mixed messages from her doctor and, and was worried that she was going to take the wrong thing or at the wrong time. And you kind of got that and you were kind and empathetic and you made a difference in her life. And she just looked at you as wow, you know, and it's being able to receive that. So, you know, receiving comes in many areas, including finances. Um, so I, I think when we do that, sure. Uh, and we, we do these when it comes to our personal relationships and, and so forth. So sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the, the genius of the book is you make it so giving doesn't have to be that you're sacrificing something. No, absolutely. Not. Quite the opposite. Of it. Good God. I love that you said that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Bob. I think everybody's going to get a lot of value from this. Oh, and thank you very much. Hearing it in your own words. I would encourage everybody to read The Go-Giver themselves and look into the entire series, but start with that first book, The Go-Giver. Is there anything that you want to leave people with? Uh, no, just uh, visit my site, Berg, B-U-R-G dot com, and there's all sorts of resources there for you to, uh, there's a you know blog and podcast and all that stuff, so just kind of dig yeah. around and, and uh, have fun. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time, Bob. My pleasure. Thank- 